don't know if it's, we're going to think it's the 4th of July today, but it is Saturday. And let's see, at least Copeland Park is underwater. Wow. Uh, driving by that this morning, I was pretty amazed. The first time I've seen it since the waters came up. And when they're up into the ball field, it was pretty, it's, it's the river's definitely getting up there. I uh, was reading that this is uh, the fourth highest in recorded history at this point. So uh, hopefully the rains, you know, temper out a bit. It looks like we have some light stuff coming in towards the end of the next week, but nothing crazy. Uh, hopefully it's that way upstream uh, from us so we don't have that much more water coming down at us. But, you know, that's the one thing that Wisconsin weather is not it's never boring. This past week did not disappoint. We had spring, summer, winter, and with the rate that the branches were coming off my willow, uh, getting either blown down by the wind or crashing under the way of the snow, we definitely had fall. And then back to spring again. And then this morning, winter. Uh, yeah, I woke up this morning and, you know, turned the coffee on, looked outside, and I'm like, ah, crap. So I sat in front of my fireplace, sipping coffee, watching the white stuff falling from the sky. But, you know, despite the changes in the weather, the lawns are still beginning to grow. And, uh, yeah, they're pushing up. uh, Well, nobody has any snow left, hardly. Uh, Most people don't, at least. But uh, it's even pushing up through, you know, those few areas that still have snow in it. The trees are sprouting leaves, and everyone's sneezing due to the pollen, myself included. And, you know, it's amazing what a little bit of rain and snow will do. Now, if Mother Nature will oblige us with some regular rain, and what I mean by regular is coming in a timely fashion, allowing the ground to dry slightly between waterings, and maybe allowing the river to start dropping down a little bit, I don't mean regular as in every day. Uh, We can get the season underway. And, you know, along with the lawn starting to grow, so are the pile of emails that I get. And a lot of them are concerning pretty much two things in particular. And I wanted to talk about them last week, but, uh, you know, with the callers, we pretty much only had time to talk about grubs, and that's moles and grubs. So I figured uh, we'd go over some of the different uh, myths and old wives' tales of taking care of uh, moles, uh, you know, mole issues in your lawns. And, you know, talk about some good ideas that might just work for you this morning. But as always, if you've got a question about anything else that's green or growing, it does not have to be about the topic of the day. This show is for you. So uh, please uh, go ahead and give me a call. number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. And uh, you can uh, shoot me a uh, text at that number as well. And again, the number is 608-785-7914. And uh, we are going to start today off with a uh, question on the text line. Uh, Dave asks, uh, can I trim maple trees this time of the year? And the answer is, well, you could, but the question is whether or not you want to or not. And I would not. Uh, right now, maples are, well, since February, maples have sap running. And that nice, sticky, sweet 
sap. Uh, it doesn't come out of syrup. It's a lot waterier than that, but still the sugars are there. Uh, will start spilling out from any place that you uh, make a cut on your tree. And that, of course, is going to attract the insects, which will vector in disease. So I never do any pruning to uh, hardwoods this time of the year. Uh, that's why it's generally the best time is uh, late summer going into fall uh, and, uh, you know, throughout the winter. But springtime is not the best time in the world to be doing hardwoods. And it looks like we have a phone call, too, uh, coming in. And uh, that gives us uh, one call and two texts, or one more text, too. 608-785-7914 is a number. Can you turn down your radio, please? I shall. Thank you. Okay, good morning. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is John. Hey, John, what can I do for you? Well, I've got about 16 questions here. Okay. Um, I'm <laughs> wanting to plant some apple trees in the woods. In anything that they're cooperatively friendly with, apple trees in the woods? Okay, first off, apple trees will not grow in the woods. You need an open area. They enjoy sunlight. Yeah, well, it's on the edge, actually. Okay, very good. Uh, you want to keep them away from walnuts? Uh, granted, walnuts go great in an apple pie, but uh, two trees don't mix. Uh, actually, there's very few things that will mix, mix with walnut. Uh, as long as it's out in the edge and getting plenty of sunshine, it should be fine. Yeah, well, there's some popple trees, and there's a few uh, birch there, and a few little, uh, um, I don't know what else you couldn't call them, uh, birch and cherry and some uh, maple. Oh. Yeah, though, it ought to do fine in a situation like that. Yeah, I mean, how close can you plant something to them? Well, you want the uh, tree to be, you know, totally outside of the woods. Uh, you don't want the branches themselves uh, going over into the woods. So, you know, yeah. I would bring them out about, you know, a good 30 feet, 30, 40 feet out. Okay. And how far apart from the apple trees? Now, if you plant more than one apple tree, how how far apart should they be? About 6, 8, 10 feet? What are you trying to achieve? Well, just something an orchard to or Are you looking for an orchard or... No, we're just just a few apple trees that are growing kind of in the woods area there, and uh, that they can come out and feed the apples. Okay, so you're for like a food plot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would run them about fifteen twenty feet apart, and let it, you know the branches intermingle together. Then. Yeah. And now, is there anything you guys should be doing with them now? They're just starting to leaf out pretty good. Okay, leafing out. You can go ahead and still spray them with uh, a dormant oil. But as soon as the flower buds start to break, you need to, uh, you can't any longer, you can't spray them with that any longer. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And another thing, we wintered some geraniums over right now, and they're kind of leggy, but what should you do? Cut them down a bit? Okay. Move them out to a sunny window. Uh, are they in a sunny window now, or? Well, they're kind of by a sliding glass door in the basement, Um Okay, do they get sunlight? got a walkout basement. So they get light but not direct sunlight? Well, they're kind of in the corner there, but not not direct sunlight, no. Okay. Uh, you need to move them up to direct sunlight now. That's why they're getting leggy. Okay. And uh, I would allow them to, you know, start absorbing some sunlight. 
uh, get a little bit of, uh, you know, start pushing out more leaves. And once they start to do that, you can go ahead and pinch them back a little bit. Yeah, and we've got a, uh, what's what's this second? What's the name of that climbing bush? Uh, Bogavilla? No, not uh, No, no, the, the climber. We we got a climber we wintered over and it's it's growing and it's got about two and a half foot of uh, leaf I mean of uh, vine on it but no leaves so to speak. Mandevilla. Mandevilla, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, it'll start pushing out leaves uh, pretty shortly. Yeah, should I start fertilizing the dreams and the mandevilla? You don't fertilize either until it starts pushing out more leaves. Okay. 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 Well, Okay. All right. And you, what, what kind of fertilizer I, I'm should I start them out I'm, with? Uh, a good all-purpose fertilizer, and I'm going to have to cut you off because we got other people uh, trying to get in, okay? Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. And uh, let's see. we got one phone call. We'll go ahead and go to that one first. Uh, the text message can wait for a little bit. Good morning. You're on the Plain Doctor Show. Who's this? Yes, this is Dave, and I actually sent the text message. It's about uh, trimming maple trees. Can oh. they do it now? Okay, uh, preferably not. I had, uh, I guess you didn't catch uh, my answer. Uh, right now, uh, the t- maple trees and all other hardwoods are soaked with sap. Uh, the sap's running through the trees. That's why the branches came down this last snowstorm. Uh, the branches are very, very heavy right now uh, with sap. And you go ahead and you prune one to that, and the trees are going to bleed like a son of a gun. And especially in the case of the maple, you've got all those sugars in there, they will attract insects, and the insects will attract or vector in diseases, and that's how you get holes in your trees and stuff like that. So I would wait until uh, the soonest, uh, late summer, going into the early fall, preferably into uh, the early part of winter is when you want to be doing your pruning. Okay, Dave? Okay, thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of the day. You too. Take care. And let's see, we've got another text, uh, this one coming in from Mark. I've already thatched my yard. I did do damage. Uh, did I damage by thatching too early? Uh, when should I put crabgrass preventer and or grass seed down? Okay, uh, thatching your yard, or dethatching your yard, actually. Uh, you don't want to do it if the ground is wet. And the rule of thumb that I use is kneel down on the ground for, uh, you know, a half a minute. When you stand up, if your knees are wet, you know, while your pant, uh, knees are, uh, wet, you've got too much moisture in the ground to, uh, do the thatch. And, uh, so you want to wait until, you know, you can go out midday and do that, uh, and not have your, uh, knees, you know, come up wet. That is a rule of thumb that I use. Now, most the spring is the best time in the world to do a uh, dethatching and followed up by a uh, crabgrass preventer. Because any time that you disturb the surface of the soil, uh, you're going to have crabgrass come into that spot come summertime. So you will need a crabgrass uh, preventer uh, on top of uh, the area you dethatched, especially if it's out in the sunlight. Now, if you uh, put down a crabgrass uh, preventer, you can't put down grass seed because that will stop the grass seed from coming up as well. So you're going to have to really, you know, balance it out. If you're looking at a bare area that has no grass whatsoever, 
Yeah, you might have to wind up uh, popping some grass seed down there. I wouldn't go spending a whole lot of money and or time dealing with it because come summer you're going to have crabgrass. There's no getting away from that. But, uh, you know, then you can go ahead and uh, reseed in the uh, fall and, you know, late summer, early fall, and that way there you don't have to worry about the crabgrass and want to have a chance to grow and look pretty good. Okay, uh, we've got one more, one or two more uh, text uh, messages. Uh, no more phone calls right now. If you want to get in, the number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. But we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM in just a minute. And we are back. And uh, today in between phone calls, if we get a chance, we're going to talk about getting rid of moles. Uh, if I don't get a chance, what I will do is I will go ahead and pop that information up on my uh, Facebook account, The Plant Doctor of Lacrosse. There's a lot of plant doctors on Facebook, but there's only one of lacrosse, and that would be me. So uh, go ahead and look that up, and uh, you can get uh, information there. Go ahead and uh, like it or join it or whatever the heck you're supposed to do to it. I don't know. But uh, you can even ask me questions there during the week, and I will get back to you as quick as I can. Okay, we got one more uh, text coming in and uh, one more phone call. Let's do the phone call first, but uh, we still have two open lines, too, at 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, this is Eric. Hey, Eric. What can I do for you? Um, so this has a little bit to do with my lawn, but more to do with the roughness of the lawn. Okay. Um, is there anything, because basically it's a, it's a newer lawn and, uh, the, the grass didn't establish before we got that big rain last year. Okay. And so I got ruts, like mm. there's still grass, but, um, I'm just wondering what the best way to go about it to try to smooth it and not kill the grass and okay yeah and that's a tough question when they come through and they build up these uh, new developments the first thing they do is strip away all topsoil why mm-hmm. i will never understand and uh then you go ahead and they plant lawns over it and they sit back and wonder wow it rained all the topsoil washed away you know the whole two <laughs> inches that i put brought in here and uh, it leaves ruts and, you know, exposed rocks and everything else. It's a pain in the ass. (laughs) Oh, I can't say Uh that on radio, but I just did, oh, well. But, uh, (laughs) okay, it's a major pain in the butt, and I totally understand where you're coming from. Now, uh, the first thing that you want to do is obviously remove any rocks that you see, and then go out. If you have any ruts, take an iron rake and uh, loosen them up, smooth them out. And uh, you can do that this time of the year because, I mean, you've got a garbage lawn to start with. Yeah, you're going to get crabgrass come summertime, but green is green in this case. So uh, go go out, smooth it out with an iron rake, and you know, the ruddy areas and such, and get yourself a good, cheap, quick-grow grass seed. And I usually do not recommend using this because it's got a lot of annual rise in it that die once summer gets here. But then crabgrass is going to be taken over, and you're going to have grass there for the season. And uh, since you're going to be using quick row, that will keep the uh, ruts from occurring again. 
you know, once uh, that seed gets rooted, it will, uh, you know, hold the soil in place. Comes uh, late summer, uh, early fall, go out and round up the area. Kill it. Give it a good stiff raking one more time with an iron rake, and then go ahead and reseed it at that okay. point. And that way there you don't have to worry about crabgrass. Uh, granted, you're going to have to do some watering, if you, especially if you do it in the late summer. Uh, going into uh, the early fall, rains are a little bit more uh, regular and uh, temperatures cool off a bit, so you don't have to worry about the ground drying up. But uh, once uh, the seed starts to sprout, you do not want to allow it to dry, okay, for okay. at least a few weeks. Uh-huh. And uh, that's really about the best way of taking care of it. I mean, I could tell you how to do it with regular grass seed. It It's a much bigger chore, very honestly, sure. going uh, the good route. I would rather do it uh, the two-step route, you know, crap grass and uh, good grass come fall. Okay. Okie doke. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Good luck with that. And take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. And that's, well, let's see, uh, what's that question there? Uh, okay. Yeah. I can do this one in less than a minute. Uh, I've got some fast growing willow trees uh, as a windbreak. When I purchased uh, them several years ago, they came as sticks wrapped in uh, paper towels. Uh, can I take branches from my existing trees and plant them? Definitely, without a doubt. I wouldn't use the whips, uh, the actual whips. I would use uh, a little bit stronger branch tips, very honestly. Uh, The smaller, you know, thinner ones, the ones that the whips are coming off of. But uh, even if you have a thicker whip, uh, and if you looked at a willow tree, you've got the long tendril, that's what I'm calling a whip, and then you have the thinner branches. Uh, I would go with the thinner branch, uh, use that. You cut it on a, a slant. Uh, you don't want to cut straight across it with a, a pair of uh, anvil-type pruners. Uh, use a knife, cut it on an angle. And the key thing is just keeping it damp. Pop it into damp ground. Uh, keep those, uh, those cut areas damp until you pop them in the ground. Uh, the best way to do this is get yourself a Ziploc bag, stick some uh, wet paper towels inside of it. As you're going out doing uh, cutting the uh, branches that you're going to plant, stick them in the Ziploc bag with the wet paper towels. You do not want to allow them to dry off. Once they dry off, no good. But uh, as long as they stay damp and uh, supple, they will be good for planting. Then go out, stick them in the ground, make sure they uh, stay well watered. And uh, you generally, I would say you get about, oh, 40 to 50% uh, survival rate on uh, doing plantings like that. Okay, that's going to take us to our uh, first break. We're going to have to take care of a little bit of news Lesson and a little bit of business, but we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a couple of minutes. CBS News Brief. Sides of relief for the moment for abortion rights activists after the Supreme Court preserves access to one of its continues. Loyola Law School professor Lori Levinson. The normal thing in these circumstances in a decision where it would really upend, for instance, a regulatory market is to say let's maintain the status quo while the case is being appealed. Students across Florida are protesting Governor Ron DeSantis' education policies. CBS's Christian Benavides. 
Republican Governor Ron DeSantis' proposal includes eliminating diversity programs, banning gender studies majors, and weakening tenure protection for professors. Charges against actor Alec Baldwin for that movie set shooting have been dropped. The involuntary manslaughter charge against actor Alec Baldwin was officially dismissed. Still facing charges, however, is the film's weapons supervisor, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. That's CBS's Steve Futterman reporting CBS News Brief. I'm Allison Keyes. Saving money and get 11% off all plumbing products at Menards. Remove or transfer water quickly with Barracuda Sump and Utility Pumps. Be prepared for spring flooding and keep your basement dry. Saving money and all Barracuda products at Menards. Right now, get a half-horsepower utility pump kit for just $88.99 after 11% off. Good through April 23rd. Savings are mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Saving money at Menards. It's time to get hydrated, get a deep stretch in, and lace up those running shoes. Don't miss Lacrosse Marathon Saturday, May 6th. Run the full or half marathon or the 5K run walk. Not a runner but still want to take part? Register to become a volunteer for the Lacrosse Marathon. Info on course maps and you can register when you check out the link at AroundRiverCity.com. Don't miss the Lacrosse Marathon Saturday, May 6th. Sponsored in part by Midwest Family Lacrosse. Rick Solom. He is a one-way thinker. W-I-Z-M. I don't want to argue with this guy. I don't know him from a hole in the ground. Lacrosse Talk BM. We're defunding the police, but not lacrosse. We're going to be funding the police? I don't know. 92.3 FM. Would that solve any problem? 1410 AM. Maybe we should ban comments on these pages. Lacrosse Talk PM with Rick Solom. You're a far left idiot. Weekdays from 5 to 6 on W-I-Z-M. It was a stupid show. When I called the winner of the Big Boar Barbecue Certificate, she didn't hear it. She called me back laughing. What's the deal? I got a new phone, and I haven't figured out how to turn up the volume yet. I laughed and said, I've had my phone for months, and I haven't figured out how to turn it up yet either. Well, Catherine Acevedo, she did call me back. I am going to send her a $20 gift card to Big Boar Barbecue. Maybe she can take one of her techie friends to lunch with her. All you have to do is go to the website, wizmnews.com. Click on Win Stuff, Listener Lunch. You could be the winner next time. And we are back, and uh, today in between phone calls and text questions, we're going to be talking about keeping moles away. And uh, if we get through that, uh, which hasn't shown any good signs of that yet because we keep getting phone calls and text questions, um, we might cover a couple more emails that I've been getting that are you know, pretty pertinent to the time of the year. But uh, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, if you're wondering how to keep some of the critters from eating up your garden, uh, or you've got a house plant that's acting weird, or maybe you've got moss that's taking over your lawn and want to know how to get rid of it, go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And please do not wait to the end of the show. Uh, if you do that, then you stand a good chance at not getting your hand, you know, the question answered. Now, moles. <laughs> there's all sorts, well, there's different ways of taking care of moles, but there's a lot more ways out there that don't work, that everybody thinks is the best thing since uh, white bread. And everybody's got their own little uh, secret way of taking care of moles. And very honestly, most of them are coincidental. Uh, they might have worked for somebody at one time, but I 
In most cases, it's not for the reason that they thought it did. And like uh, the chewing gum in the holes. Uh, and I've heard the chewing gum theory even go one step further, and I've had people arguing about which brand works better. Guess what? None of them work at all. Moles are carnivores. They eat meat. They eat insects and grubs. They d could not care less about chewing gum. Uh, if it smells fruity, it's probably not even going to bother them at all. If it has a minty scent to it, hey, maybe that smell might keep them away from that one particular area for a little while. But uh, they're not going to eat it. Uh, and that's the other thing that this uh, one uh, old wives tale has in common. They all think that the moles eat the gum, and since gum cannot be uh, digested, uh, it plugs up their little tiny insides, and they eat themselves to death because they can't expel any of their refuse. Okay, that's a nice way of saying it. Uh, <coughs> Well, that's all well and good, except you can digest gum. Gum comes from plant material. It's cellulose. The same thing as eating lettuce. It will digest. It does not stay in your colon any longer than anything else, and it breaks down quite quickly, uh, just like any other normal product that's made out of cellulose. Uh, this notion that it does not digest is plain baloney. And I know every kid has been told this on the school bus that if you swallow your chewing gum, that's going to stay inside your stomach until you die. And it's just not true. Sorry. And it doesn't fall true to us and it definitely doesn't fall true to the moles. So chewing gum does not work. Cod liver oil, no effect whatsoever. Booze. Why waste it? Uh, I mean, unless you're going to sit back and drink uh, while you look at your lawn, uh, pouring booze down holes isn't going to do anything. Poison corn or birdseed or any other grain type uh, bait. Again, they're carnivores. They're not going to touch it. They'll walk over to it, sniff it, and walk right on by. Uh, there, and then you have everybody with their nasty concoctions that if you pour it into the hole, uh, the moles will take off for the hills. Uh, and that includes, uh, but not limited to, ammonia, bleach, animal urine, propane gas, and people urine. Uh, these are ones that I've actually heard. And let's go through these here a little bit. Ammonia. Ammonia will actually change into nitrogen. It's not going to hurt anything. You might even get some green spots in your lawn. Uh, yeah, if it blows back in your eyes, it's going to sting like a son of a gun. So I would probably choose not to use ammonia out there in your lawn. Oh, it's not going to have any effect on the moles either because uh, it's going to evaporate long before it gets down to where the moles are. Okay, bleach. <sighs> Why would anybody pour bleach on your lawn? You're going to wind up killing your lawn. Think about that one. Just think that one through, okay? Animal urine. Do moles pee? 
Do you think they come out of their holes to pee? They don't. They do it right there. Uh, yeah, a bear could use some bear urine. Yeah, that'll chase the moles away because it's a predator. It's a bear or bobcat urine. Well, you know what? They're peeing up there on the ground. The scent down below is not going to do diddly squat to the moles. They don't care. Uh, again, it breaks down to ammonia, which breaks down to nitrogen. It'll wind up doing your lawn some good, but that's about it. Uh, people urine. This one here is just gross. But uh, I've actually had people save up their urine to pour into molehills. Again, same thing, no difference. It's not going to do anything to the moles at all. Next one is downright dangerous. And I've had somebody call into the show trying to... I Yeah, I've had it for moles, and I've had it for uh, getting rid of bees, too. Uh, neither of which do I recommend, and I wholeheartedly say, don't do this. Don't be that person that is stupid enough to hook up a hose to a propane tank and stick it into your lawn, into a molehill, and start filling it up with propane. Granted, will that kill the moles if it comes in contact with them? Yeah, probably will. It'll asphyxiate them. But there's a lot of other drawbacks that go along with that, like explosions. And I'm just picturing, you know, uh, what was that movie that came out in the uh, 80s or late 70s, early 80s? Caddyshack, that's it. Where, you know, uh, they're trying to blow up the uh, gopher that's out there on the golf course. And, you know, okay, you go ahead and you're filling up the mall hills out in your yard with uh, propane. you got this hose running into the tank. And your neighbor walks by and he goes to light up a big old stogie and throws a match onto the ground. Uh, and it just happens to land over the top of one of these molehills. And, you know, I just hope somebody's uh, taken some uh, video of that so they can show it on Facebook. Because it's definitely going to, you know, wind up under the uh, Darwin Award winners. Don't be that person. Uh, also, don't use it for bees either. There are much better ways, much safer ways than using propane. Uh, that one's just, I'm sorry, sheer stupidity in my book. Now, Madison Avenue and got together with the tree huggers, too and came up with some uh, really iffy ways of taking care of stuff. Uh, one of them, it's not so iffy, in, but it doesn't work in this area, and that's called milky spore. Milky spore will take care of the grubs in your lawn. And what milky spore is, is it's a type of uh, fungus that will grow in your lawn. No, it doesn't bother your lawn or anything like that. But... This is for, like, down south, uh, where much warmer uh, zones than what we have up here. Milky spore will not work up here because it will die in between the seasons. And it does not come back naturally. Uh, you're going to have to redo the colony each year. So you're not going to really have any effect with that. So don't bother with it in this area. Uh, if you live down south... Hey, fine and dandy, go for it. It is a good possibility for it. But uh, you do not want to mess around with that up here because it's just a waste of time and money. Beneficial nematodes. Uh, 
attacking one insect with another insect. Uh, this has been this great big brainy way of dealing with problems. Uh, another way of looking at this is called biological warfare. Uh, and yeah, you're using a biological agent, a different insect, to attack another insect. Now, you're introducing this new insect into an area where it does not normally habitate, because if it did, then you wouldn't have an issue with it. So there are reasons why it does not habitate in this area. Uh, one is maybe the conditions are not correct for it. Uh, maybe the conditions will allow it, but it, it, given things that we would not normally think about, circumstances that we'd not normally think about. The one that comes to mind is the Asian ladybugs. That is a case of very well-meaning people uh, wanting to attack an insect with another insect. <clears throat> they were going after a uh, aphid that was on, I believe, the alfalfa crop. Is there a way that these uh, critters were originally introduced? And it was much better than using pesticides, of course, because, you know, pesticides are, oh, my God, they're dangerous. But uh, here we're going to bring in these insects. They're going to do their uh, work for us. Well, fine and dandy, until those insects that they bring in become the problem themselves, like they have in this area. Uh, and... You know, granted, that is, we're talking about the Asian beetles. I do not like using any type of biological agent for grubs near lawn. Um, beneficial nematodes, yeah, they might be beneficial. But, again, if uh, they were meant to be in this area, then they would be here. And if you introduce them, yeah, they might be uh, active for one season, but they're probably going to die out by the end of that season because uh, the ground's too cold for them in this around here. So, again, it does not work. Mole pellets, again, don't work. Uh, there are scent mole pellets or bait mole pellets, uh, either one of them, no effect whatsoever. Gopher gassers, these will work if given the right conditions. Uh, you have to know what tunnels you're looking for, and these are tricky because there's different types of tunnels out there. The moles don't have just one single type of tunnel, and you need to be able to target the tunnels that are leaning up to the dens. Otherwise, sticking those gopher gassers down to the ground are going to have little to no effect whatsoever because the moles are just going to move away from the smoke and wait for the smoke to clear, then come back through, and it's not going to have any effect. But if you can trap them in their dens, yes, you can asphyxiate them with that. But uh, chances are, unless you really know what you're doing, you're not going to hit the right uh, tunnels, so I wouldn't even bother. Now, yeah, there's a lot of things out there that don't work. But there are a few things that do work. And I figure we could talk about that for a little bit, too, uh, just to make sure you guys get some ideas. Uh, let's see. For a chuck. 
Chemist told me he mixed up poison slime to burn the mole's feet. He would lick it and die. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, if you're a chemist and you can mix up some poison slime to pour into the holes, fine and dandy, but most of us aren't chemists. Uh, yeah, okay, we're going to let that one go. Uh, poison slime, that's neat. Never, That's a new one on me, too. But uh, things that will work uh, are mainly uh, two different, uh, three different things. One is sonic devices. And at first I thought this was a joke, but as it turns out, it's not really that bad. Uh, and I have seen some pretty decent results using these. And it's devices that you, uh, they usually come uh, attached to a stake that you push down to the soil uh, in your yard, and it emits a uh, ultrasonic sound. We can't hear it, but it may, it bothers the moles. Uh, drawbacks to these things is, and I'm guessing on this, I'm not really sure, but it may bother your other pets as well. Uh, mainly dogs. Uh, personally, I don't care if it bothers a cat, but, uh, you know, mainly your dogs. You don't want to be, uh, you know, bugging them out too much. But, uh, you know, it's something to keep in mind. I'm not, I don't know on that if it's actually going to have an effect on your pets or not, though. And I'm just a concern. Now, uh, these sonic things do work, but you have to have them in overlapping areas in order to keep them out of your lawn because sound does not travel that far through the uh, ground. Uh, another thing that you can use, and this falls under the same uh, grounds as sonic, and this one I really thought was somebody's uh, old wives' tale, but it actually did work. It's pinwheels. And as much as uh, I know Terry, if she's listening right now, is laughing at me because I can't stand pinwheels. She likes them. Uh, having these things in the lawn, blowing around, clicking, clacking, you know, making just a little bit of noise is enough to keep the moles away. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe it scares them, you know, the unevenness of the uh, sound. It's uh, based on the wind, so it's always going to be a little bit different, uh, and it keeps them on edge enough to keep them away. That will uh, have somewhat of an effect. It's not a guaranteed effect, but somewhat of an effect. Again, you're going to have to have many of them around, though. The two main things that work are mole traps and the uh, mole baits that are based on a uh, food source that the moles actually go for, and that is the worm. And uh, we will talk about those when we come back. But uh, if you've got a uh, question about anything green or growing, we still have a little bit of time left to the show, so go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914, and we will be back in just a minute. Now, I was talking about moles before we went into the break, and I do want to finish this up uh, before the end of the show. Now, when using mole traps or the uh, baits that are based on their food source, which is the worms, haloprid worms, that's uh, one of the brands. There's uh, Tomcat has uh, worms out there. Uh, there's many different brands of the worms. They're all basically the same thing, and they are like these soft fishing worms, uh, you know, uh, rubber worm baits uh, that used to go fishing. 
except they're impregnated with a uh, poison. And they also they're impregnated with the smell of a real worm. So the moles uh, smell these things, and they walk up, they drag them back to their uh, dens, and they eat them, they feed them to their young and their families, and you wind up killing off the population. They do a really good trick. <clears throat> the other is a mole trap, which is usually a spring-type trap where you uh, pack down the uh, molehill a little bit, and you insert, you go ahead and you uh, set the trap, which is usually pulling some spikes up that will guillotine downward and impale the uh, critter when the mole goes down his tunnel and he pushes up the hill and it triggers the trap to go off. Sounds pretty gruesome, but hey, they're moles. And, uh, yeah, it happens. But uh, what you have to know is that there's different type of tunnels that the moles have. And mainly tunnels, the main tunnels that we see out in the lawn, there's two types. There are travel tunnels and there's feeding tunnels. The feeding tunnels are the ones they go through sniffing out their food. And these here, they're on search and destroy missions. Uh, they're out sniffing away, they sniff their way up to their next meal, and they eat it, and they keep on going. Those are not the tunnels that you want to target. These tunnels here, they're going through one time. <clears throat> the ones that you want to uh, hit are the travel tunnels, and that's between their feeding grounds and their dens. And normally you can uh, differentiate these because they're much straighter in uh, appearance. Uh, you look at them and you'll have, you know, a good, you know, 10, 12, 14 foot, maybe even longer straight shot with no turns or anything like that. So you know they're not out there sniffing uh, critters that are, you know, buried in soil. Now, to ensure that you get the right tunnels, and because they, they have old travel tunnels that they don't use anymore, too, you need to see if they're using them. And there's a very simple way of doing it. Take your finger and stick it down inside the tunnel through the uh, surface. <clears throat> when you break through to the tunnel below, pull your finger out, move it around a little bit so it packs the soil to the sides. And that way there you can look down and see the tunnel down there. And uh, moles hate sunlight. So what they will do is they will take soil from inside the tunnel and they will pack it up into that hole uh, if this is a uh, travel tunnel that they are frequently using they will keep it in good repair so they will take the soil pack it up inside that uh, hole that you made with your finger now it won't come all the way to the surface but it will block you from seeing the uh, tunnel below and if you see that you know that it's been repaired and this is a used tunnel then these are the ones that you target with either the mole traps or the uh, uh, the taliprid worms or the tomcat worms or you know whatever uh, you know bait you choose to buy, and uh, that way there you know you're going to ensure that you're going to have some uh, much better luck by using this method. I would say you can eradicate anywhere from 85 to 90 percent of the moles in your lawn. Uh, it may take a little while to do such, depending on the size of the den and how spread out the different dens are. 
uh, one mole system or one tunnel system may have multiple dens with multiple families living in it. So uh, you're going to have to make sure you get all the critters involved. So just because, you know, you find one and you pop a couple of worms into uh, that hole there, don't think that you're done yet. It may take a while. Uh, up in Holman, we had a massive mole problem, and after about four applications, I'd say I got them under control. After about uh, six applications, I would say, and you can't always do this, but I eradicated the problem. I, we didn't have a mole for a couple of years after that. So, uh, yes, it will work. It does a good job, and that's the one that I recommend doing. Uh, I like using the baits uh, because you can shut it and forget it, uh, not worry about it anymore. Uh, the one thing that you do have to worry about is if you have a dog that might be out there sniffing around and digging things up, if that's the case, cover that area over with a bucket or something like that. And also, when you stick that mole bait down to the tunnel, always cover it up with a uh, wood chip or a rock so it blocks the sunlight. And always wear rubber gloves, of course. And, you know, that'll keep any of the uh, toxins from uh, getting onto your fingers. And uh, you should be good to go.